Noah's preparation. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his house. By the which he became heir of the right, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteous. When we think about Noah, we're very familiar with the account of the flood. We're very familiar with the account of things that were happening. But I want us to think about just some basic thoughts this evening. And notice the basic sentence in Hebrews 11.7, the verses we just referenced. Hebrews 11.7, the basic sentence is, Noah prepared an ark. Everything else in that sentence is something else telling you something about his preparation of that ark. Something about his actions that went along, of which we're familiar. But the basic sentence of Hebrews 11.7 is, Noah prepared an ark. That's a fact. Noah prepared an ark. So this evening I want us to consider that preparation that Noah made. I want us to consider why he was preparing an ark. I want us to consider what was he preparing. And then I want us to look at the things said in this verse that describe his preparation. So first of all, Hebrews 11.7 says, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, let's get these statements in our mind, not, things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world, by the which he condemned the world, and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. So first of all, let's go back to Genesis 6 and think about what's going on there. Genesis 6, 5, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The record of the flood is the only record in inspired scripture that we have of any worldwide judgment that was such as the, the catastrophic nature of the flood. We don't have anything else that matches that in any record. And until the Lord comes again, we won't face the world. We won't face such a judgment. And of course, whenever the Lord and he appears in His second coming, it will be a much greater judgment, if you will. But I want us to think about this. Genesis 6-5, God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So God looks at the world and He sees that the world is up to no good. The world is practicing sin. The world is not loving God with all of its heart. The world is not loving its neighbor as himself. And in fact, whenever you read Genesis 6-5, notice what it said, verse 6. Or when you read after Genesis 6-5, notice verse 6. And it repented the Lord that He had made man on the earth. And it grieved Him at His heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping things and the fowls of the air. For it repented me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, 
The end of all flesh is come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Now I know there's a lot more that's said about the flood in Genesis 6 through 9. But we can stop right there for our purposes this evening and consider just those things that have been said from Genesis 6-5 all the way through Genesis 6-13. Now let's go back to our text with which we began in Hebrews 11-7. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. Well, this answers the question, why was he preparing? What was he preparing for? Why was he building an ark? He's building an ark because God says, I'm going to destroy the world. I'm going to destroy all the inhabitants of this world. I'm going to destroy man from off the face of this earth. That's why Noah prepared an ark. So in other words, Noah heard what God said and he said he's going to do something about it. He prepared an ark. And we'll talk more about that here in a moment, Lord willing. He prepared an ark. So that's what Noah did. Noah prepared an ark. Now, judgment is coming. Wrath is coming. A flood is coming. So Noah was preparing for it. And there's a few things we need to pay attention to about preparation. Preparation, as is inherent in the Word, is done before something happens. Prepare. You're doing it ahead of an event. And that's what Noah did. He didn't wait until the end. He couldn't have done it if he had done that way. What about you and I? Are we preparing for the end? Are we preparing for our death? Are we preparing for the Lord's second coming? Whichever may come first, because I can't tell you which one will come first. As Chuck was pointing out this morning, we don't know. We might be among the ones that whenever the Lord... Uh, appears in his second coming, we might be among those. We might not. We could just as very well die before you. But the question isn't, will I be alive at his second coming? Or will I have died by then? The question is, am I prepared? That's the question. That's what Chuck was saying this morning. Our question is, are we ready for it? Because we know that at the end, there's only two places to be. Noah was prepared. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark. Noah prepared an ark. Preparation has to be made ahead of time. You can't wait till it's too late to prepare. Do you remember that that's why the wise virgins were considered wise in Matthew 25, 1-13? And also, on the other hand, why the foolish virgins were considered foolish. The wise virgins had ahead of time taken with them extra oil so that their lamps would not burn out had they, if they were to have to wait a long time for the bridegroom to come. That's preparing. Noah made ready ahead of time. But the second very brief introductory point is he prepared an ark. Well, why did he prepare an ark? He prepared an ark because that's what God told him to do. God said, I want you to build an ark. And he told him the exact dimensions he wanted him to use. He told him the materials out of which he wanted him to make the ark. And he even gave him specifications of the design. Besides just the dimensions. And any of you that have ever had anything to do with designs in any way that have been implemented on a project somewhere, you know that that designs and submittals and specifications matter. Not saying everybody always pays attention to them, but they're supposed to matter. 
And then whenever someone does not follow what they're supposed to, it brings up problems. Noah had to follow what God gave him. Noah had to follow the design. Noah prepared an ark. Now, I want us to focus more on Hebrews 11.7 for the most of this lesson. So let's look at Hebrews 11.7. And essentially what you have here is you have the Hebrews writer giving us facts about Noah's preparation. And all of them are tied to, or all of them are essentially um, prepositional phrases that give us more insight to Noah's preparation. Because remember, Noah prepared an ark. That's the basic sentence. So now let's look at what the Holy Spirit tells us through the Hebrews writer about Noah's preparation. First of all, our first prepositional phrase, by faith Noah prepared an ark. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, prepared an ark. So that first one is by faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his house. Kind of a long one, but let's look at let's break that one down and look at a few things. Number one, Noah did this preparation, he prepared an ark by faith. Well, Romans ten seventeen, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Therefore, God instructed Noah, you build this ark, as we looked at in Genesis six, verses five through thirteen. God had said, build an ark. God had said, the time is coming. God gave him the dimensions, which we didn't read over, but God gave him all the details of the dimensions, and he said, build it this way. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark. So Noah prepared an ark by faith. Earlier in this chapter, this same chapter, Hebrews 11.1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We've talked about this verse a thousand times in my preaching here, I know. But we need to remember that. The substance of things hoped for, that thing that stands under the foundational piece. It's the substance of things hoped for, that you have a, a desire and an expectation of something. You have something standing underneath that desire and expectation. Now I want you to look at verse 6. And let's add to what, we've, what verse 1 says. But without faith it is impossible to please Him, for he that cometh to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. In order for Noah to prepare an ark by faith, then Noah had to match the criteria given in verse 6. Without faith it is impossible to please Him. So Noah couldn't have been pleasing to God in the plan of salvation offered to Noah how to escape the judgment that was coming if he did not have faith. Without faith it is impossible to please him. Well, what did that entail? For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Noah had to believe that... Noah had to trust in who God is and Noah had to trust in the fact that God was going to reward him for his obedience to God's will. That's who Noah was. That's what Noah did when he prepared an ark by faith. He took God at His word. He heard it. He obeyed it. He followed it. Down to the end detail. People often like to make suggestions about, well, what about those who are religiously minded? What about those who... Uh, no doubt have good intentions in their heart. Well, the question is, did they do it by faith or did they not? Did they obey the plan or did they not? 
I want you to think about David himself. You remember David. David was not sinlessly perfect. David made many mistakes. David committed many sins. But at the same time, David was a good man. You remember whenever they were bringing the ark back because during the days of Saul, they didn't inquire at the ark. Saul had no concern for spiritual things as evidenced by the way he led the kingdom. And Saul, as was referenced this morning, he went to a witch before he went to God. That says a lot, by the way. But you'll remember whenever David was having the ark brought back to Jerusalem. What happened? Uzzah died. You think about that. Here they are in the midst of doing something that on the surface of it, on the face of it, seems like a good thing. They're returning the ark to Jerusalem. Well, that in and of itself is a good thing. But the manner in which they were handling the ark, the manner in which they were transporting the ark, was not a good thing. Because God had defined how that should be done, who should be doing it, and what the method was. Numbers 4, 1 through 15, and Numbers 7, 4 through 7 are very clear about who should be doing what, and about when they should be doing it, and who should not touch it, that everyone shouldn't touch it, and that it should be covered with these things, the skins and the, and the uh, proper cloths, and that these things should be wrapped around it, and the staves should be in it, and carried on the shoulders. Period. Point blank. They were not transporting the ark that way. That was not by faith. Were they doing a thing that in and of itself was good? Yes. Bringing the ark back. Let's, let's get the ark back. Let's, let's reestablish what we should be using. Yes. But listen to David's own words, 1 Chronicles 15, 13. For because ye did it not at the first, the Lord our God made a breach upon us, for that we sought Him not after the due order. Think about that passage and what it's saying. Were they seeking God? Yes. In their actions of bringing the ark back to Jerusalem, they were seeking God. But were they seeking Him after the due order? No. That's what 1 Chronicles 15.13 is very plain to say. We sought Him not after the due order. We sought Him, yes, but not after the due order. Not after the process prescribed by God Himself. So we essentially looked at God's Word and we did it our own way. They didn't do it the right way. Whatever you might say about Uzzah's death, the problem is they didn't transport the ark the right way. And Uzzah never should have touched it in the first place. Noah prepared an ark by faith. He heard what God said. Because without faith it is impossible to please Him. He that cometh to God must believe that He is, and He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. We sought Him not after the due order. Noah was seeking God, and he was seeking God in the right manner. That's how we know, or that's what is described when we read that passage. By faith Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark. So Noah, by faith, he heard the Word of God. He sought God in the due order. But I want you to notice what else it says in connection with that that faith. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet. 
You know what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5-7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by what we've heard. Our spiritual walk before God is to be defined by His Word, His will, His way. Not by my sight. Not by my sight. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, Romans 10, 17. We walk by faith, not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. And that's what Paul was talking about there later on in that same chapter, 5, 17. He says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Behold, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So he's not only talking about the fact that whenever a person has obeyed the gospel of Christ, they've been baptized into Christ, their sins are washed away, the Lord's added them to the church, but he's also saying that you're living with a new purpose, you're living with a new design of life, a new way of life, a new, a new objective in life. Because you're walking by faith, not by what I want, not by what I think, not by what I feel, not by what I see, but what my faith is told by God's Word. My faith has to be... It isn't faith if it's not instructed by God's Word. That's not faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we're told, by faith Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet. He didn't have to see it to know he needed to do it. He was told by God to do it. Do you and I have to see it to know we need to do something about it? Or can we just simply be told by God? Can we simply be told, this is the way I need you to live. This is the way I expect you to live. This is what's coming one day. You need to be prepared for it. This is the church for which my son died, and it matters. This is the way that you have to worship, and it matters. Can we be told those things and verified from the Scriptures? Checking them against the Scriptures? Or do we have to see it in some way to validate what we feel about it? That's not faith. To have to see it and to validate it with some feeling. Faith knows that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Faith comes by hearing. Faith is the substance of things hopeful. Faith is how Noah prepared that ark. He did it by faith. He was warned of God of things not seen as yet. And he was moved with fear. That moved with fear is an interesting phrase. With the way that's written, it essentially means Noah moved himself with fear. That's what that phrase means. Noah moved himself with fear. In other words, Noah's response to the Word of God was such that Noah then himself was moving himself with fear in response to that Word that was preached, that Word that was told him. Here's what you need to do, Noah. When God instructed him, here's what you do, Noah moved himself with fear. Think about fear. Everybody has a bad connotation of fear, but it's not a bad thing in and of itself. In fact, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, right? Proverbs 1.7. Isn't there a healthy version of fear that leads us into a healthy relationship with God? Proverbs 1.7 says absolutely. 
Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and 14. You think of the number of places in the Bible where such a universal type statement is made. I think of Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and 14. I think of Matthew 22, 37, and 40. And there are a few other places, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that it's just one or two. But I'm saying that Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and 14 is one of those passages that is so universal in scope, so uh, eternal in its purpose. You think about what it says. Now hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. So after all those things that that the writer had been through in Ecclesiastes, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole of man. In other words, it's the entire purpose of man. There is no other purpose that that doesn't grow out of fear God and keep His commandments. There isn't any other purpose in life. And you think about the purposes, or the the commandments, what they are, when when you boil them down. To look at that other passage just very briefly that I mentioned that's universal in scope as well, or so entirely comprehensive, I guess I could say, Matthew 22, 36 to 40, when Jesus was asked, Master, which is the great commandment of the law? Jesus said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like, a, or, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So you think about that. Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and 14 says, Fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the whole of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or evil. Well, the commandments would define what that is. So now look at Matthew 22, speaking of commandments. Master, which is the great commandment in the law? (coughs) Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Well, Noah had to love God with all his heart, soul, and mind. Noah had to love his neighbor as himself. And here, the God whom he's supposed to love with all his heart, soul, and mind is telling him, prepare an ark. And he did. He's responding to that command in faithful obedience. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark. And here's our next prepositional phrase that describes an aspect of Noah's preparation. To the saving of his house. So, Noah prepared an ark, number one, by faith. Noah prepared an ark, number two, to the saving of his house. In other words, the resulting effect of his preparation was the saving of his house. Let's let that sink into the mind for, and, and dwell upon that for just a moment here. Noah was a husband. Noah was a father. Noah had not only sons, but daughters-in-law. He prepared an ark to the saving of his house. He followed the commands of God 
and prepared an ark. As we mentioned before, something you do ahead of time, you do what God says, here's the plan of salvation, God gives it. You do that thing to prepare for it ahead of time, and that's what Noah did. He prepared an ark ahead of time, and in doing so, it was to the saving of his house. And you and I know that there were eight souls on that ark. Eight souls that entered that ark, eight souls that disembarked from that ark. And from those eight souls, from that remnant of humanity, God repopulated the earth. After reaching the point of saying, I'm going to destroy man from off the earth, Noah saved his house, his family, that is. This is one of those instances where you know what he's talking about when he says house. It's a, it's a figurative saying talking about the contents of his house, talking about those in his house. It's not his house itself. It's the people in his house. He saved his family, you could say. He saved his family. What can we do to save our family? Well, we can operate by faith like most of We can move with fear. In other words, we should have a fearful God, fear of His Word. We should be operating based on that fear, respect. We can prepare, go ahead of time, do things that we ought to be doing. You and I can be praying together with our families. You fathers, heads of the homes, you, you lead your family in prayer. You lead those, those studies. You lead the idea that your family is reading in the Scriptures on a daily and weekly basis. <clears throat> that we're spending time with the Word of God, with the will of God, so that we know what our faith... We can inform our faith, in other words. God will inform our faith. We can be instructed as to what to do. And you and I know, and I don't have to tell you this, that we're living in a world, and the world always needs a light. But we're living in a world, and it's, it's been as bad as this, and worse before, as evidenced by Genesis 6-5, and other passages like Romans 1. But we're living in a time where a very loud group, or I'm going to say groups because it's not all just one, there are very loud groups that are that are striving to bring about evil in this world and they want to cause trouble. And they want to dismantle any vestige of truth and any vestige of God from from everyone's vocabulary and from everyone's uh, just daily lives. Well, you don't think Noah faced something that was pretty challenging in the world around him? That God said, I'm going to destroy this world. I, all these people that you live around, I'm going to destroy them. God said, build an ark. Well, you and I don't have to build an ark, we have been told to. And we know that God's not going to flood the world again like that. So, what do we have to do? What can we do to help our houses, our families? Well, we can study the Word ourselves. Every day. And I'm going to tell you,
The church, by and large, is so often filled with an alarming amount of ignorance when it comes to scriptures. And oftentimes people are teaching in congregations who cannot and are not able to teach. Noah did what it took to save his family. You and I today, what we can do to save our families is not only study ourselves, not only help teach others, pray every day without ceasing, constantly, do the things that ought to be done to help those around us, help look for, our, look for opportunities to help others learn more about God, especially those in error and those who have been perhaps lied to all of their lives about the Scriptures, we need to help them understand. But first and foremost, we've got folks inside the body of Christ that need to learn some things themselves. And that's a sad fact, but it's true. And I'm not standing here telling you that as if I've mastered everything, because I most certainly have not. And I am... I have so much left to learn that it's scary. But James was very clear whenever he says, My brethren, be not many masters, meaning teachers, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. If you teach and preach, you need to understand that you're being held to a higher accountability because you're, I'm going to use this word, you're affecting, and if doing so improperly, you're tampering with people's souls. By the teaching that you and I are doing, we're affecting other people's souls. So if I'm doing so inappropriately, inappropriately or improperly, I am tampering with them, and I am going to be judged and damned for that action. And I use that word in the same sense as in Mark 16, 15, and 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. He said very plainly in James 3, 1, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. Noah did what it took to prepare, his, to prepare an ark. He did what it took to save his family. I say that part because... We can help, we need to help, we as members of the body of Christ need to help the local congregation where we are be what it needs to be. And I have a responsibility, you have a responsibility to make sure that we make the local congregation the way it should be. Everyone across this world has that responsibility. So he prepared an ark for the saving of his house. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his house. Now I want you to look at these last couple of statements. By the which, by the which, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. So Noah prepared an ark. He prepared an ark by faith. 
He prepared an ark to the saving of his house. Noah prepared an ark, and in doing so, he condemned the world. Now, now what do you mean he condemned the world? He wasn't a judge sitting up and saying, you're lost. That wasn't Noah's responsibility, and that's not what the text is saying. He condemned the world because his example, his actions, showed everyone else's who were not following God to be on the wrong side of things. You think about the world in Genesis 6-5, and God saw that the wickedness of man, think about that, God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. I mean, he couldn't have put any more emphasis on the evil practices of the world at that time in writing that verse. As Moses is writing Genesis 6-5, as the Spirit is inspiring him to write that, there, there couldn't have been any more emphasis put on, on how bad things were in Genesis, as is recorded Genesis 6-5. So whenever I read in Hebrews 11-7, by faith Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which... By the which his preparation, his his faithful response to God, his obedience to God, by the which he condemned the world. <clears throat> that world was so wrapped up and caught up in doing self will, in doing in, in following the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That world was involved in in sin after sin after sin. That world was involved in lying. That world was involved in adultery. That world was involved in murder. That world was involved in covetousness. That world was involved in idolatry. That world was involved in taking the name Lord, the, the Lord's name in vain. That world was involved in sin over and over and over again. But then you have here Noah, not a sinlessly perfect man, but a just man. As he's referred to in Genesis 6, in our reading from earlier, and also in Genesis 7. And here in 11, Hebrews 11, we understand more about why. Now, don't get me wrong. As I just said, Noah was not a seemingly perfect man. But notice who Noah is. Genesis 6 describes, says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Genesis 6 9 says that he was a just man. He walked with God. You know, it wasn't just God arbitrarily. It wasn't a lottery where God arbitrarily chose Noah and said, you know, I think I'm going to just pick Noah and make him the one that built the ark. Have him save the world. Or save the rest humanity's continued existence, I should say. Not the world. That's not what happened. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He was a just man. He walked with God. Was the rest of the world walking with God? No. His actions were actions that heard the Word of God and followed by faith and did those things. His actions demonstrated a fear for God. His actions were helping save His family. Were any of the rest of the world doing those things? No. So when Noah does those things, 
He's condemning the world because His actions are the prime example of this is what faith looks like. Think about Hebrews 11.6 again. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Noah, by his actions, by his works, was seeking God diligently. And God was going to reward him, and he knew that. Noah knew that. He prepared an ark. How did he do so? He did it by faith. He prepared an ark. How did he do it? He did it to the saving of his house. By faith, he was warned of things not seen as yet. He moved with fear in that faith. But he did it to the saving of his house. By the which he condemned the world. But notice the last one. That last prepositional phrase that describes Noah's preparation. By the which he condemned the world and, so that by the which applies here as well, and became, so by the which he became, heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Notice that. Starts with by faith and ends with by faith. It's interesting. But he became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. He became heir. An heir is someone who inherits something. Someone who's promised something, given something. And that's what Noah became. He became an heir of what? Of righteousness. That's something we need to understand. Noah was not a sinlessly perfect man. But Noah was not walking in sin. Where was Noah walking? Genesis 6.10 or 6.9 tells me he was walking with God. Genesis 6.10 or 6.9 and 10 tells me he was walking with God and he was a just man. In other words, he was listening to God. That's how he knew to build the ark. He was listening to God. He was listening to God and walking with God in His ways of life. Did He make mistakes? Yes. Did Noah ever commit a sin? Absolutely. But He became an heir of the righteousness which is by faith. And you see, that's talking about more than just the ark. I want us to think about that as we close this evening. You know, everything we've said so far is, has been very much centered around the ark. His preparation for that ark, but, but really His faith that led to that preparation. And I want you to realize, as, as we're seeing here, I want us to notice, He became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. That is, Noah was counted as righteous by God because Noah obeyed God's plan. Not only with the ark, not only being saved from the, from the flood, that is, but in Noah's following God's pattern, Noah's following God's commands, Noah's following God's will, he became an heir of the righteousness which is by faith. That is, he was a just man who walked with God. That's how he's described. How do you and I walk? How do we prepare? Let's, let's go back and say, Noah prepared an ark. Are you and I prepared? Are we preparing for the second coming of Christ? 
some things from Noah about how to prepare for the second coming of Christ. Number one, we do it ahead of time. Number two, we follow God's plan of how to be prepared. That is, we do it by faith. We hear the Word of God and we follow those commands. We can, in that hearing the Word of God, we can move with fear. And by that faith, we can do it to the saving of our house. That is, we can follow the commands of God, do the right things, not only to get ourselves in the right position, but to help affect and influence people around us, and especially our families. To the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. You and I can prepare by faith We can prepare to the saving of our house. We can prepare and condemn the world around us. That is, our actions will be the proper example and that will actually help the world see what is correct and some will turn around once they see what is correct and start asking the right questions and even perhaps obey. but those that won't obey they'll be will be condemning their actions and we can become an heir of the righteousness which is by faith see God made it possible for me and you to be saved he sent Jesus to die for us that if we'll hear the word believe believe in the Christ believe what God has done for us repent of our sins confess Christ as the son of God be baptized for the remission of sins the Lord adding us to the church and then continue to walk in the light of He is in the light, we can be saved and we will be saved at that last day. So I'll ask you, are you like home? Have you prepared for the end? That's what Noah was preparing for. He was preparing to meet the proper appointment. If you've never obeyed the gospel of Christ, why not tonight? If you have and you straight away, why not come back tonight? There will be a day when that opportunity will expire.